Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name's Don Marshall. I'm the big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am a what the heck is my schedule boy because people keep canceling and moving things around on me today. So I don't even know where I am right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, no. Hi, I'm Dan Oliverio. I'm a chubby chaser, author and public speaker. And uh, I am wearing my sumo shirt. So I am ready for sumo action. Oh, my. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Take that. I'm, I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm saying my last name this time. I'm a super chub. <laughs> I am here in sunny Hollywood as well. And I am a, I'm a master of my calendar boy. I am mm-hmm. I'm taking control of my calendar. I'm owning my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is not to be outdone. My name is Michael Willer. <laughs> I'm a chaser. And uh, similar to Don, I am an out-of-control, unscheduled schedule boy. Like, I don't know what's going on today, except that we have to wrap this show in exactly an hour and 14 minutes, (laughs) because I have a work call coming up. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. We're doing this on a Friday, which is very unusual. Our special weekday edition. Totally, yeah. The vibe is different. We're all business today. We're Mm -hmm. we're ready to get straight to it. That's right. Straight to the penetration. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> so to begin the penetration, let's Full begin with fucking. a let's begin with a pop. Yes, we're culture. pop pop oh, pop culture. Boy. Um pop, so pop. I saw a lovely thing this week about a new game from Sega. Uh, it's the Tokyo Olympics 2020 <laughs> game. Because remember, pandemic, everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a game writer um who talked about how the game lets you be, as he put it, tubby. Yeah. And their uh, avatar creation. So they have a very, um, what's the term? They have a very progressive character creator because they also don't, in this character creation tool where you can actually create a fat athlete and have no impact on the actual gameplay, um, You can. they also don't list male and female as options. They just have ah. icons of like how a character might present. And then, and so you're not actually picking male or female mm-hmm. either. You're just sort of putting together the person. I think person. it's called style. Style, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. It's very, very progressive. Yeah. And from Sega, like not a small company. Mm-hmm. Like, I was and, shocked. And we've touched on this before. We're like, representation of video games matters. Mm-hmm. But representation of larger people has always been problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been very few games where the fat, you can make yourself actually fat as opposed to just a little thick. Yeah, you know? like not with rippling six-pack abs, which, by the way, is a choice. That's the way you choose what you're what your midsection looks like is it has like six pack and then like slightly less of a six pack and then gut. (laughs) There's three options. I mean, if anyone knows E Honda from the street fighter series, he's a really good example of fat characters in video games where like, yes, he's fat, but apparently his fat is made of abdominal muscles because <laughs> he has a six pack his, each, each on the of front his of his fat. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Mm. like a fat guy wearing a six pack shirt. Right. But I would love for this to be sort of a, a signal of a change in mindset of the video game community where I think what they've usually done is the avatars they've given you are supposed to be, well, you just want to make an idealized version of yourself and you certainly uh. don't want to look like you. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and you certainly so, don't want to look fat if you were an ideal, right? Yeah. But now I think they're beginning to start wrapping their brains around the idea that a fantasy experience can involve putting yourself into it rather than wearing another person's skin in the fantasy. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, I would love that to be a trend. Well, Bye. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sega, for, yes. I guess, just randomly and graciously including fat bodies in your athlete game. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be pop culture if we didn't bum you out a little <laughs> as well. Um, so something else I saw this week was, a was an ITV article and oh, it was, yeah. um, 
about a plus size wedding dress mannequin that is fat shamed on a daily basis. So this is a mannequin in a bridal store window and it's, it's size what? Do you remember 32. It's a 32 size mannequin and it's got a bridal dress. It, it's not, it's just a mannequin. It's just mm -hmm. a friggin' mannequin. And people are walking by taking pot shots mm -hmm. at the store window. Mm -hmm. And here's the hit, but here's the really awful part. While plus size customers are inside and can hear them. And can hear them through yeah. the window. Yeah. Which is, and I'm trying to focus on the positive, which is that they put, they specifically were looking for a larger plus size mannequin specifically so that they could show plus size women that you're welcome here and you can find a dress here. And mm -hmm. like the, the people owning who own the shop have the right idea. Like, yeah, they're, no, it's, it, they're well, totally, and, and they're, know. and the shop owner is like, is, is just mortified that the whole point of this exercise, as you say, was to get fat people into her shop as a welcoming environment. Mm. But you know, the people of England have taken care of that. Yeah. They <laughs> I was touched by the interview with her in the video article on there and that she really goes to bat for oh, her yeah. beliefs. And mm -hmm. like she, she hangs a big old sign in the window saying, mm. you know, like, what are you saying right now? Why are you saying it? Mm, nice. You know, calling people out. I was impressed. Mm -hmm. Like not only was it smart, but she's putting her own business on the line by calling out, you know, the, the, the passerby's reactions. Um, much respect to her. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's really great. Especially, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but you know, no surprise. This is in England. <laughs> I just wonder like how, like, if I walk by something that I'm not into, like let's say it's a storefront and it's like a hat store with a bunch of like NBA logos on the hat, I'm not gonna like stand there and make cracks about it. I'm just gonna walk by because it's not my thing. And I, you gotta wonder like, what does it take for somebody to feel like, like that's like this is the right interaction here? I need to make fat jokes. Like, um, it's part of the culture. I, I have to admit, if I walked by a hat store and they had MAGA hats in the window, I would probably, <laughs> there would be some pot shots thrown. Yeah. But that's okay because they're MAGA. So, I mean, like, come on, like, Trump supporters. I mean, the, they don't feel things like we do. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. The whole thing just, I don't, so the mannequin's name is Fuchsia because it is a, a bright, like, bright fuchsia mannequin. It really made me want, like, mannequin three. Um, oh. with a, a plus size headless mannequin getting revenge on all these people in this small uh, England town. Why do I feel that would be more of a horror than a rom-com? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Is this, this is Trevor we're talking about. And it's, it is a headless mannequin. It's not, it is not like, uh, it's not Kim Cattrall. It's not whoever was in Mannequin 2. <laughs> Dan, the, I think the, we've lost the plot here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point is... It would fit with the horror theme. <laughs> Killer mannequin uh -huh. starring Fuchsia, the plus-size bridal mannequin. You got your bride, killer bride. You got your killer mannequin. Check, check. Uh, Flamboyant gay sidekick check. assisting yes. in the murders. And um, people in a small English town there you go. getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Running in, in ab abject terror. Yeah, yes. that, that works. It works for me. Right. Well, she was originally on. called yeah. Whitey when we bought her. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Wait, no, do, that? Oh, do you have the music? I think so. Is this it? Yeah. <gasps> yes. Yes. It's Fat Watch. It is. 2021. Yay. I like when you sway, baby. Yes. <laughs> um, so this week, there was an article in Bustle um, that I was going to share, but Don actually found... Um, a very similar piece from Samantha B, 
um, a, a video from what's, what's her frontal. show called? Full Frontal. Full Frontal with CBS. Samantha B. Um, talking about the weight loss industry attacking our post-pandemic bodies. Yay. <laughs> I, I was shocked to watch this video and how on point it seemed to me. Like she was talking about a lot of things almost verbatim the way we've spoken about mm-hmm. them in the past. Well, and she's done a really great yeah. job. If, if you look into the, in the fattosphere and for example, this bustle article that Trevor mentions, uh, it's, it's, it is, it's on point. And the fattosphere has been talking about this for quite some time for, um, you know, from the pandemic, pre pandemic long time. And, but yeah, you're right. She does a really great job of packaging. Like so many of these late night comedy news shows do of really packaging what's important, why it's offensive and stop it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I've I've noticed just watching Samantha B and other other segments and other episodes she's done that she has a really progressive understanding take for somebody who 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 wouldn't necessarily have to like you feel like yeah. where she's coming from and where her writing staff because it's not just her mm-hmm. um yeah they 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 are taking their position seriously I think I feel like John Oliver does a similar thing oh as yeah well. very very much so um. I feel like she's a, li- a lighter version of John Oliver in a lot of ways. L- less yes. sarcastic. Well, no, she's, she's, no, she's pretty, pretty, pretty sarcastic. sarcastic. Yeah, I guess less British. Yeah. He's got the British thing going. She's got the Canadian apologetic thing going. Uh, is she Canadian? She's very Canadian. Oh, that yeah. might wow. explain something then. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. She doesn't look it. The segments- <laughs> <laughs> she smells like maple syrup. <laughs> it's really funny, though, and it's really on point, like Don said. And... It, it, it also, I don't know. It just, I think, I feel like we talk about this so much in our group, in our circle that mm-hmm. you kind of are used to the conversation after a while. And then you see it out in the real world and it's like, Oh, like yeah. this was out there. Like this was, this, this was the on- first time I've really seen it tackled on sort of a mainstream comedy news show like this. Mm-hmm. Like, and what do you, what do you mean tackle? Do you mean specifically the post pandemic bodies thing or something? else? No, I felt like she opened it up to, body issues in general that mm-hmm. like the COVID aspect was the launching point, mm. but I thought she really kind of hit the broader topic. Yeah. She also well. hits fat doesn't equal unhealthy. She, mm-hmm. she hit a lot of stuff uh, that diets shame, are not effective. Diet of not effective. Um, what I really liked about it is like, this is, I don't know, like a subtle way to like, you can send this to someone if, I don't know, they're ah, giving you flack yeah. or like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a low key recruitment tool mm-hmm. to get oh, call. Uh, allies, yeah, right. in, potential allies in your life yeah, to uh, care about these issues. Under the guise of, isn't this funny and, yeah. kind, of, and yeah. kind of important? Isn't this great? <laughs> and then if they, you know, if they backlash against it, you know, and like want to like debate it, then you know, okay, this person's not worth saving. Well, or or you can have an you can have an education. <laughs> no, nah, they're not worth saving. Dan. <laughs> you, well, we're in go. a mood this morning, aren't we, Michael? The blood, they're not worth saving. I didn't yeah. get a lot of sleep. This okay. is where uh, <laughs> you, oh, it's you a didn't Friday. Like the post. You're getting Allow Friday. Allow me to introduce Michael. you to my friend Fuchsia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dum dum dum. Call Fuchsia, and the headless mannequin holds its, <laughs> its phone up to its uh, the place where its head would be. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so thank check you, it out. The it's, it's worth looking yeah. into. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, okay. Well, yeah. So don't stress about the, uh, the COVID-15 is, or no, the quarantine 15. That's what they were calling it. Cause we were talking about the COVID-19. The COVID-19, mm-hmm. the quarantine. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. So they don't, can, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Just don't do that. Which is, uh, I think a good lead into our <laughs> good advice, our main topic, <laughs> oh, yes. um, which I think maybe first we should have Don kind of share yeah. the little story. The that, inspiration yeah. for this topic. All right. So yesterday 
Um, I was at a doctor's office and I was waiting for the elevator to go down to the parking lot and the elevator door opened and there's five people in there already. Right. Um, one of them in a wheelchair. So it's, it's a little full, but there's still space. If somebody had stepped back, I would have been able to fit in very easily, mm-hmm. but I was looking at it. I, I sort of leaned in my head just cause I was going to say like, eh, do I try and push my way in? At which point this blonde, older woman at the front, hi Karen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> goes, Oh no, no. I think there are already enough people on here. Right. And at which mm-hmm. point I, my immediate reaction was, Oh, you know, no, I, I agree with you. I, yeah. And, and like I stepped out, like I was slapped. Right. And, 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 and that she was right. Yeah, of course. Like, Oh, course I'm so right. sorry. I'm so sorry. Of course you're right. Yeah. yeah by default, she was correct. Yeah. I'm imposing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and as the doors closed, I really, I realized like, wow, that was just my default. Like my default was not to literally fight for my place on an elevator. I have just waited three minutes for, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and did um, you, but would you, if she had said nothing, would you have gotten in? No, I, because, because COVID for me, yeah, you know, that was my gauging was like, is there enough space in here that way? Mm-hmm. And I admit part of my thinking process after was like, well, she met COVID, right? Like, well, you, you, never, you never, you mm-hmm. never know. That's was the thing. A bad thing. Well, that's the thing about, yeah. about discrimination is you're never quite sure unless you're really sure. So what, what it made me think about was that I hate the fact that my, like, if I'm going to a place like the beach, Mm -hmm. right, I'm prepared. I know what I'm walking into. Mm -hmm. I have an idea of what to expect, but when the beach shows up on the elevator, (laughs) I'm taken by surprise and retreat back to trying to be small again. Mm -hmm. It's imagine um, the elevator door like starting <laughs> to open and then a giant striped beach umbrella just goes <laughs> and like hits down. The and they go, no, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a bucket of seawater. But, well, yeah. that too. <laughs> but, but Trevor had a great term for this you feeling. Yeah, well, this, I, so this is from kind of Dan has said this before yeah, okay. of these unpleasant, I don't know, unexpected little, I don't know, micro to macro aggressions of fat phobia. Um, getting slimed. Yeah, that, which, that's what I've called it in the yes. past. Nickelodeon style. Like, yeah, yeah so you're just, you're just standing there minding your own business, being in your own life, and all of a sudden... Yeah. And I feel like that's really accurate, you know? Mm-hmm. The only times I've actually... like, I feel that I'm pretty good about bracing myself for what I'm anticipating as an unpleasant experience. Mm-hmm. If I'm ready for the slime, it's not going to hurt me that much. But like the random screams from a passing car, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. glares in an elevator... Um, well, and, and then there's the other thing that we've, we, we've, t- we've talked about this before in the podcast of like, a, do you want to respond or do you want to move on with your life? If you do want to respond, how do you want to respond? Cause there's a whole, we, we've talked about, there's a range of possible styles of response. And then, sure. you, and then if you are going to respond and you're going to use words you know, as opposed to a bloodied mannequin, <laughs> what are you going to like? How do you language it? Oh, and by the way, the elevator doors just closed and you have no time to do any of this. Yep. I'm never <laughs> seeing that particular Karen ever again. <laughs> and there I, is no snappy response to be made. Well, and I have to admit driving over here, I was, I, I did come up with a couple of great ways to like a, a couple of really good responses to that. But it's it, it, again, like moments passed, who cares? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you ever get in an elevator situation, I got you covered. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Share a couple. From I'm curious. Listeners. Yeah. What's the. Okay. Well, there's, I, I had two versions of this because, and, and I, I recognize that you have very little time. And if only because you've been shocked, you've been slimed and the elevator doors are closing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And like your, your, your target is disappearing literally <laughs> <laughs> down a hole. So, I mean, one of the versions I thought of was that it, that actually uses the fact that the elevator doors are closing. And as the elevator doors you cl- are closing, you scream at the top of your lungs, oh my God, I'm too late. You're trapped in there with her. <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to ride down with that background. <laughs> like she is in there with all those people who just heard that. <laughs> and she, nobody can say anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a perfect prison of awkwardness. So they drop that little <laughs> grenade inside the mm, elevator door. Exactly and right. Walk exactly away. right. So, but you know, I, I get it. Uh, you know, it's a day late and a dollar short, but yeah. But since I feel like all of us are a little better at dealing with these things when we're prepped, is there a way to prep? Like what do we, like, how do you prepare for slime? Can you prepare for slime? I, I think maybe it's a disposition about what would you like to do? Slap them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because some people wouldn't. Some people would be like, if they could just make it mean nothing and move on with their life, they would prefer that. Some people are like, no, I need a counterattack. I need a trebuchet. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, I think part of it is like, what style are you going for in a perfect situation? I mean, personally, in like, I like to try to make it mean nothing. And especially kind of getting the more in this podcast, in my personal life, the more I talk to people about fat stuff, about body stuff, the more you realize that so much, you know, externalized fat phobia comes from extremely internalized fat phobia. Always. This is people vomiting up their, um, their own issues about their body. Definitely. So it's great to be able to like come from that mindset, but there's times where it's like, you, you know, I still don't want to get slimed and <laughs> I am now covered in slime. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, yeah, like, you know, you're just dripping like, yeah, but okay. But it's just, she's so much worse. <laughs> you know, her experience is so much worse, even though she's not covered in slime right now. Well, I, she I, has to live with the, the slime inside of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to make a cleaner metaphor, but yeah, that. <laughs> Um, but I, I think, I think the difference that Don is pointing to is it's not even that conversation. Like we've talked about like during the holidays when, you know, you know, and, and, and son of a bitch says something terrible about what you're eating. Oh, but, oh her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, oh, you've met. Uh, Are you related um, to her too? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, but where, where there's sort of like, it's an ongoing presence. It's, mm. it's unexpected or it's not unexpected because it always happens at the holidays. But this is like, you, you really do feel ambushed. Yeah. My first boyfriend and I were standing on a street corner in Austin, Texas. And of course a pickup truck rolls by and out the window, I couldn't even hear it because it was so muffled, but it was basically it, <laughs> <laughs> which is Texan for faggot. And, <laughs> and without missing a beat, before I even understood that it had happened, uh, my boyfriend at the time went, where? <laughs> <laughs> Which is genius, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the truck didn't hear it. It was more for our benefit than... <laughs> Can you imagine the confusion of the guy? <laughs> but no, wait, no, go back, go back. Yep. We're already gone. I feel like one of the sort of the freeze and inaction inspirations. I, I'm thinking about me. I'm not sure if it's everybody, but mm. I'm going to throw this out there for people to chew on. 
is that I think a lot of like original fat shaming for me came when I was a kid sure. mm-hmm. on the school bus mm. where there's a pack after you. Oh yeah. And if you fight back, that's going to go really badly. Mm-hmm. I you see. Know? Cause if you fight one off, there's going to be another two to your right. And if you react to that, then the ones on the left are going to, it's, it's literally fighting off a pack. Captain America. I could do this all day. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's a, there's a core piece of me mm. that still reacts like do not, do not provoke the pack. You know, which makes me hunker down. Well, but there's the other side of that too, which is I shall never defeat them. Yeah. So my reaction last night as the inevitable processing and looking for the comeback mm-hmm. began, um, I feel like for me, this may be the, the right reaction in the future. I'm going to try it out. It might get me in trouble, but I'm very good. I have a superpower. Oh, I haven't used it on anyone here, I don't think. Mm. But that superpower is to shoot icicles out of my eyeballs at people when I am not <laughs> feeling approval towards them, <laughs> right? And I was thinking in that moment, if I'd actually held the door, oh. made eye contact with her oh yeah, for a beat, like for a full beat, and then asked, do you feel better about yourself and let the doors close, Bingo. I would have mm-hmm. felt very good in that moment. Like that would have been a good closer for me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe that's not for everybody. But if you have the ability to shoot icicles out of your eyes, maybe you would like to give this a try too, dear listener. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, what I, what I love about that technique is it's not reliant on language. Mm-hmm. It's really all in the body yep. and that you held the door. And as soon as you hold the door and glare at her, she's going to be very afraid. <laughs> I mean, anybody would. Um, and not just because you're big, but because it's, it's like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's that. And then even if you had said, of course, ma'am, I wouldn't think of coming in this elevator. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you say, your point has been made. Yeah. And you can obviously escalate from there. <laughs> and I think also the, I don't know, I think we should maybe talk about like post slime care mm. because I think so often in the moment you're just kind of like, oh, this sucks, but like I have, you know, okay, I'm going to find another elevator now or something. And then kind of it is that, you know, when you finally have your downtime is like it comes back and you have to process it somehow. So like what, what are, I don't know, everyone's ideas for that. That's such a tough one. Cause it's the whole point of interactions like that is, is that you're having, you get no time to process it in the moment mm-hmm. or resolve it. And so it's just this lingering thing of like, how do you, how do you get rid of something that was like thrown at you at high velocity? Like, even if you take it off, it's still going to sting. Well, and I was going to say that even Don, if you had, if you had gotten off your perfect moment, your perfect shot at this woman, I don't think you'd be in any different position this morning. No, absolutely. Like she's already there. Yeah. Karen mm-hmm. already has got the living yeah, quarters so in my head. It's not, it's not a, it's not a matter of how you dealt with it in the moment. That's it's, it's not about getting the right shot in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, so this, we're what, like 24 ish hours out the, I mean, these things can, it can last days. It can last weeks. It can last years. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that have been said to me that, you know, live rent free in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's just, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the importance of talking to children mm-hmm. because I mean, when, it, when a child gets slimed, <laughs> The, I don't know, the volume of that slime is so much more and so much more impactful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, same amount of slime on a smaller body. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They've got a surface coverage. Yeah, they, absolutely. I think having people to talk to about it, mm-hmm. like I think it, 
I can't imagine how much worse it would feel if you just had to like sit on that and just hold on to it and not be able to let it out somewhere. Well, usually when that happens, it's because the adults around you, or in this case, if you're the adult and it's the yeah. people around you, um, you feel like they would be in agreement or yeah. that you feel mm-hmm. that they would, uh, they would just tell you to toughen up, toughen up about it. That, why are you crying? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the worst of all, I think is like, well, you're fat. What do you expect? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I still think it's in, but like, I, I was thinking like if this were a kid, like one bad response, and I've had this come up in seminars when I do seminars with, uh, with parents and educators is I had this mother, I think I've talked about this, you know, her, her kid came home and she's and the kid was like, mommy, am I fat? And the mom says, no, you're not. You're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Which is oh, yeah. one of the top worst responses, mm. just because, and not because the, the mother obviously didn't have evil intention, but just because it's it sends exactly the wrong message, right? Uh, but I think there's, on the one hand, you got to listen to the kid, get the pain, but on the other hand, you also, I think Trevor's point is well taken. You want to get that, like it's not, you don't have to live in that. That is something that happened, and now there's other things that happened since then. And mm-hmm. you can move on and they can't like the person who said that they're stuck in that. You don't have to be. And if you can develop the child's resiliency that way or the adult, I, I think there's merit to that because otherwise it's just going to keep reoccurring every time it occurs. If that makes sense. I, I want to circle back to something Trevor said about sort of holding on to this stuff and it mm-hmm. living you for a long period of time. And it's interesting. Cause I was thinking about that a couple, for a couple years actually where I think originally I thought holding on to those things was making me a tougher person, mm-hmm. right? Like this is toughening me up. I am stronger because of surviving these things and I hold on to them as shields and examples of how, you know, how to progress or how not to be or all that stuff. But the more I've been thinking about it, the more I think actually I'm not, it's not toughening me up. It's just keeping me at sort of a constant level of damage mm-hmm. where damage below that threshold doesn't just, doesn't hurt as much because there's other shit I've got to worry about. Right. Um, I was actually thinking about the incredible Hulk uh, in the Avengers as he turns around and says, you know, my secret is that I'm always angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's um, my secret captain. It, for me, I think a big healing thing over the past couple of years has been doing this podcast, mm-hmm. talking about this stuff out loud it, about things I don't talk about out loud has been a very healing experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes allowing me to recognize damage I didn't recognize as damage. Right. So that's something that I would offer up to, to our listeners is like, if you do not have that, that people, that person or people Mm -hmm. that you can talk to honestly and bluntly about some of the stuff and that will ask you questions about it. That's, that's really of use. Looking for that sort of support could be very useful. I I really love that. And there's two things I want to say about that. Cause one, a lot of people who listen to our podcast, the first thing they say is, Oh my God, nobody talks about this. Thank God mm-hmm. you're talking about this. And mm-hmm. that goes to your point Don. But I think the other thing is, as I, I recognize as, you know, as someone who lives in a privileged body and as an ally, I, I can't, I feel like anything I have to say to you, Don, or a fat person is like, yeah, that's nice, but you're not really dealing with mm-hmm. this. And I think it's really important and key that when you just began the last thing you said, you addressed it to Trevor. And I think that's perfectly on point because someone like Trevor gets it. Mm -hmm. Someone like me imagines it, or maybe if they used to be fat, recalls it. 
Mm-hmm. They're not ongoingly dealing with it. Someone like me or Michael. Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe if I could sharpen that pencil is what you're talking about, really talking to other fat people about how mm-hmm. they deal with it. Um, I, so I don't know when this is coming out. I did a, an interview with Brie, mm. uh, the former guest mm-hmm. um, for, she's doing a series on the NAFA blog called fat chat. And in our discussion, I talk about, you know, the importance of as a fat person, having fat friends. So important. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you can, you can talk about these things and the other person gets it. And I, you know, I'm always on top of the mountain about allies. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the, the big preacher for allyship. From what we've talked about, it can be very isolating mm-hmm. just to have experiences like that out in the world. And I think you tend to like cover up and shield yourself and close off from other people. Um, I don't know if you're, if you're going to be at, <laughs> if you're going to be a big Bayou, come talk to us about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll listen. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, think, I think it's true. I mean, I think Dan, we've, We've talked about this before. Dan's talked about it, but also I think it's the same for chasers. I was and about just about to yes. say that chasers <laughs> need fat friends, not just fat fucks. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, I was yeah, going to yeah. say that chasers, like chasers having chaser friends. Oh, oh that's true yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. is yeah, important because yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I don't know have, finding your people. Mm-hmm. I um, think. Tell me what you guys think about this. This just started percolating. The idea that like. We've, we as humans, I think, generally tend to focus on the, the negative things or the fear of negative things. Like, you tend to just naturally focus on that. Like, for instance, walking into a store and it says, oh, this is on sale, but only for a limited time. You suddenly have that fear of missing out feeling that drives sales like that to be really successful. Like, you mm. don't want to lose. And so I think, I wonder if in a similar way, like, you get slimed and you're just, you're just living in this negativity and if that feeling of like needing to balance the scale again, like you, you're now tipped one way because you have all this slime on you and, and you have to feel like you can, un, you can rebalance the scale, like taking the next positive thing that might happen. Because essentially it's just a random event. It's just a mm. random negative event. Yeah. And so reminding yourself that, okay, you can, re, you can mentally re- even out that scale with the next positive thing that happens to you. You just have to like put that on there. Like you have to take and go, that was a really good thing that just happened. And then I put that right up here and, and let that slime just like slide right off. Yeah. Cause I don't think I could, I've had not obviously with this exact same issue, but I think everyone's dealt with like random acts of aggression that you can't rationalize. Like you just, something happens and somebody does something shitty to you in the moment and then they walk away and you're like, how do I deal with that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really hard unless you actually proactively say, I'm going to try and fix this with something to balance it out and like, yeah, put life back in balance for myself. I mean, I'll say from Don's example, because I think a lot of fat people have dealt with like the elevator thing, dealing with that, but then getting it, you know, very often you get an elevator to yourself afterwards. Which that is true. I, a, an elevator ride by myself <laughs> is a treasure. It's a joy. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's one of those little things in life. And sometimes if he's going enough floors, he has enough time to put his clothes back on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to also circle back to something that Dan, I think Dan said, uh, the reiteration that this slime attack is almost never about you. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, certainly not. And one of the issues I always have is that I, I can't, I don't always believe that I have mm-hmm. to 
like work on believing that. Um, and I feel like that, I feel like that's a key thing. Mm-hmm. If you, if we can get that into our heads and remind us that the pain that is being thrown at us is because of someone else's pain mm-hmm. and them trying to let it out, maybe that would be helpful. Cause, and I am holding on to it. Like I'm talking about this elevator event when I had two other things happen in the same 20, 24 hour experience that were physical affirmations where people were telling me you are attractive. Right. Mm-hmm. And those get pushed into the closet because I'm focusing on the elevator. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, what part of life are you going to listen to? Exactly. So well, remember, how many hugs do you want when you have slime all over you? Like, it's like, well, I got to get this slime off of mm-hmm. just kind of a slimy hug. No, but I, yeah. I think what Don's talking about is he had other evidence before this. Yeah, going that, in the opposite direction. And independent of, of this. Yeah. Like he could have picked know, those I'm events to validate. To metaphorically validate. speaking, if you're drenched in something, you don't like, that interaction is not going to work mm-hmm. until you can get the it's like slime is a shit. protective coating against good things. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, like keep, keep uh, Trevor and Dan's advice of this is not about you. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll help you wash some of it off, off you the way I'm going to try and use it to wash it off me. Yeah. And go to big Bayou. Yeah. Cause There'll be, there'll be lots of slime there in a good way. Go to Big Bayou. Oh, dear. I was going to say. Both silicone and water-based. Yeah. Go to Big Bayou. Make and some fat base. friends. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Share your your de-sliming uh, tips. Yeah. It's just so affirming to be in a place where gay is normal and fat is attractive. Yeah. Trevor, do we have a tip today? We certainly do. How exciting. Um, so I shared, I think I mentioned this a while ago. Uh, the book Fat and Queer came out. Oh, right. Oh. Um, it came out in May. It's an anthology of queer and trans bodies and lives. Um, and it's described as this one-of-a-kind collection of prose and poetry radically explores the intersection of fat and queer identities, showcasing new, emerging, and established queer and trans writers from around the world. Hmm. Celebrating fat and queer bodies and lives, the book challenges negative and damaging representations of fat and queer bodies and offers readers ways to reclaim their bodies, writing stories of support, inspiration, and empowerment. Wow. Um, and it's an amazing group. So many amazing writers, friends of the podcast, um, I don't know, heroes of the podcast, including uh, Aubrey Gordon. Mm. Oh, um, nice. It's a, it's yeah. a wonderful collection. On, on their website, they have... Um, I mean, you can get it on Amazon, but on their website, they have different booksellers you can get it from if you want to support independent mm-hmm. booksellers. Um, and they have the same for international audiences. It's great. Check it out. Yeah, Buy that sounds awesome. Support fat and queer writers. Uh, we always love having more. I feel like, I don't know, is it just my perception of us having done the show long enough that I feel like there's more fat positive stuff happening? Or is there actually more fat positive I think, stuff I happening? think it's been in the woodwork for quite some time, but now I think it's like coming out of the woodwork, if that makes mm. sense. Like it, it used to be just relegated to the fatosphere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but now I think it's becoming more mainstream, more, which is there, therefore being Inviting met with more, yeah. more criticism and pushback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Don. Have we a bit today? We do have a bit. Have, can I just say, have we ever not had a bit? Like, this is impressive. I think once or twice, but it's been rare. Yeah. This has been quite the run of, of fun bits. So thank you. I'm excited. Hey. What do we got? Uh, well, seeing as how I was concerned about whether or not I could fit in the elevator, <laughs> uh, I mm-hmm. figured we would do a deep dive into some major events in history involving mismeasurements. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, okay. So multiple choice on all of these. Okay. Um, 
1628, crowds in Sweden watched in horror as a new warship, the Vasa, sank less than a mile into her maiden voyage. Oh no. With the death of 30 people on board. Oh. Armed with 64 bronze cannons, it is considered by some to be the most powerful warship in the It was considered to be <laughs> one of the most powerful warships in the world. But why did it sink? One. Shipwrights had been so enthusiastic about building the largest ship they'd ever constructed, they failed to realize it was too long to get through the narrow curving, pe- curving path through the jagged rocks that separated the harbor from the ocean. Mm. Holy fjords, Batman. <laughs> Two, the shipwrights had miscalculated how much thrust would be needed to move the vessel and equipped it with nearly twice the amount of sail power a ship its size would need. A gentle wind basically <laughs> flipped the vessel as soon as it hit the open ocean. Oh. Or three... Builders had used two different types of measurements while building it, resulting in the starboard and port hulls being different thicknesses and therefore weight, making the ship grossly asymmetrical and just flipping it as soon as it got into the ocean. Or four, a pitch solution used uh, used to waterproof the hull used the wrong proportions of tar, resin, and ash, resulting in a water-soluble salt. Uh, oh, the ship literally melted after several <laughs> hours in the water. Uh-huh. Oh, my beautiful wickedness. <laughs> Man, these are some good options. And it did sink. It, in fact, it sink, not run aground, not... It sank. 30 it, people dead. 30 people yeah. dead underwater. Bronze cannons. Best I'm equipped submarine s- that never went anywhere. I'm going to say one. Uh, the one. Too long. Yeah. Get through the, the narrow straits. I mean, that sounds very logical, but somehow not quite weird enough to have drawn your attention. I think maybe it, I'm going to go for the, they, they created the right, the wrong um, proportions in their pitch mixture and okay. that it, it literally just melted apart. Michael's going with the melty ship. Yeah. Trevor's I, going with the long ship. I, I, I was going to go with the, the, they were using different, different measurements until, uh, you, yeah, I don't think that's it because it, that wouldn't have that result if it was just about thickness. They would they would figure out they were using the wrong measurements really quickly, uh, so I'm going to go with uh, the pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got two melty ships with long ship, and in fact, the correct answer is mismeasurements on oh, the whole ooh. thing. Oh, it that's turned out fascinating. The the shipbuilders on one side of the ship were using uh, it was like Swedish rulers, <laughs> which are basically eleven inches long. And the other side was using conventional rulers, which are 12 inches long. You know, in Scandinavia, wow. the Swedes are always getting these jokes made about them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, the, Nor- the Norwegians are not kind about it. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, it was just heavier on one side by about 10%, and the ship just flipped. Wow. So, yeah. What a... All what a for an dumb inch. thing. Are you saying using an 11 inch ruler is a dick move? <laughs> uh, there it is. Wah, wah. All right. Question two. In the 1984 mockumentary, This Is Spinal Tap, the mm. members of a fictional rock group order a model of Stonehenge of a Stonehenge <laughs> megalith for their stage, but the note written on a napkin mistakenly asks for a model 18 inches tall instead of 18 feet. <laughs> Coincidentally, which other performers made a very similar mistake in real life? Mm. One, Black Sabbath also ordered a replica of Stonehenge, but in meters instead of feet. The resulting Stonehenge was so large that it got in the way of the band and only a few of the stones could actually fit on the stage as the dwarf rock band tried to squeeze between them while performing. I do like the idea of a dwarf rock band though. (laughs) Two, Ozzy Osbourne regularly bit off the heads of fake bats while performing on the stage. Instead of the size small bat usually used, size large bats were ordered for a performance. When Ozzy bit the head off, it proved too big for him to spit back out, 
causing the show to come to a stop while they had to pry the bat head out of his mouth. Three, teen sensation Debbie Gibson was known for her jaunty, slightly oversized hats. Oh, yeah. At a mall performance where there was supposed to be a Gibson hat giveaway, a mistake in ordering resulted in the screaming throngs of teens being given tiny little Debbie Gibson doll-sized hats. (laughs) (laughs) About an inch and a half across. (laughs) (laughs) Or... Answer four, a wardrobe mishap prevented the ballet great Rudolf Nureyev from going on stage when a new order of dance belts he had been uh, given were designed incorrectly, resulting in nearly double the amount of stuffing and a groin profile too obscene for him to go on stage with. There's <laughs> yeah. 11 inch rulers again. <laughs> I, I want to say the Debbie Gibson doll hat. I have to say that sounds, that sounds likely. I'm, okay. I'm going to say... Trick question. Secret answer is E. All of them are true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. So um, we've, we've got a uh, an outside-the-box guess from Mike. I'm swinging for the fences. I can get all four points. All in for Debbie Gibson over here. <laughs> the correct answer is, in fact, Black Sabbath with the double-sized uh, tiny See, that makes, that, you know, there's a theme here about using different standards of measure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And our last question. In 2003, a bridge was being built in Laufenburg, a town that straddles Germany and Switzerland. As is the custom, both sides of the bridge were built simultaneously towards each other, um, but each were started in a different country. As the two halves of the bridge grew closer to another, it became clear that one side was 45 centimeters higher than the other. Mm. Why? One, the bridge was built at sea level at both sides, but Germany and Switzerland both play sea level at different heights. (gasps) Oh, that's hilarious. Two, although the engineers understood there'd be a 27 centimeter difference in heights between the two halves, a miscalculation raised the side that was supposed to be lowered, doubling the difference. (laughs) Three, the Swiss and German engineers on the project didn't speak each other's native languages and only communicated through English. One side ended up using American measurements. The other used metric. (laughs) <laughs> Never. Or four, <laughs> the architect who designed the bridge had been fired just before completing the plans for it and left the mismeasurements in out of spite. Ah. <laughs> oh, dear. I think they knew which side was supposed to be raised and lowered, but they just got it wrong when they actually built it. Yeah, I and think so they that accidentally well. doubled the Number difference. Two. I do love the idea that Switzerland doesn't know what sea level is because they don't have a sea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that. Uh, but it's probably wrong. Um I think given given the, the cultures of those two countries, it's something like they expected it to be different, but not that different. And it's a miscalculation. So yeah, what Michael said. Okay. Okay. So we got three on the uh, the miscommunication about the wrong side of the Well, yeah. you you all got it right. <gasps> However, the first answer was also correct. The uh, reason why there was it. a difference to begin <laughs> with was because both countries consider sea level to be a different height. So that's 27 centimeters. And then they got it all wrong and just built the wrong side higher. Well, that's because the, the, the ocean in Switzerland is in the Alps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we all tied, I think. Yeah. I don't think we did. did I don't know what ruler we're using. (laughs) (laughs) That was an interesting find. I never realized that different countries set sea level at different heights. There's like, uh, England sets it for like uh, one city and France does it for by, by Marseille. So it's like, did you, did you look into that? I did. Okay. I was, yeah, was going to say, cause it could well be the, just like, no, the Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us what sea level is for you. <laughs> 
We're on Twitter and Instagram as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Leave us five stars on uh, Apple Podcast and the other one. Podchaser. Podchaser. <laughs> we like Podchaser. It's got chasers. <laughs> See the articles we talk about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yay. Yay. Maybe you're... um. You're passing by a bridal shop in a small England town, <laughs> and you see a a, a a fat mannequin, and you're like, "Oh, that's a that's a pretty dope mannequin." And then you keep walking, and you hear a, a, a skittering sound, and you turn around, and it's gone. And you're like, "Oh, that's weird. Maybe they're changing the clothes." And you turn back around, and it's there. It's Fuchsia. Ah, so watch out. Yeah. You take your head clean off. Yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. The bloody, bloody mannequin. No, I want it to sound like a Sherlock Holmes title, like oh, the, the case of the case of the headless mannequin, the case of the headless fat lady. No, that's all right. That, that, that's that's kind of it. That could be it. <laughs> <laughs>